You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And today we're talking about self-discovery. I'm so thrilled to introduce my next guest, Mari McLean. We will be talking about You Are Your Own Guru. Welcome, Mari. Thanks for having me on the show, Natalie. I'm excited to dive in. This is a topic I am not familiar with personally, but I know it's a massive problem in New Zealand and worldwide. We're going to be looking at um, looking at your journey and the book that you wrote. Um, Mari, Marie, Marie, if you haven't met her, is an author, speaker, and sobriety coach. She began her career um, as a young business writer at Television New Zealand during the dot-com boom, uh, ferreting up stories in the older male-dominated finance world. And her work hard, play even harder lifestyle led to burnout. I know there's a lot of our audience that can relate to that. She flew the coop, landing in Hong Kong during its first outbreak of SARS. Marie hightailed it across the border to Canton and fell deeply in love with life in China, where she remained for five and a half years, traveled more than 20 countries with her Danish husband, and later returned to her native New Zealand, speaking Mandarin and Danish. Ooh, I'd love to have some a taste of that, uh, which didn't get her very far, she says, but desperate for breathtaking summer, she spent um, her time on the water. She now actually lives in Waiheke, and it is so good to have you on the show, Mari. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, so um, the book um, that I've just written is The No Bullshit Guide to Getting Sober, and um, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's a problem in New Zealand with um, one in five adult Kiwis classifying themselves as hazardous drinkers. So um, yeah, we have we have a we have a bit of a problem. Um, but uh, the book goes to to help those that that are kind of getting to the point where they're realizing, shit, I might be done with with drinking, but drinking's not done with me. So that's what I wrote the book for for people that don't want to go to AA and don't necessarily aren't ready for that step to go into a a medical center and say, Hey, I've got a drinking problem. So, yeah. And I think is, is it, so we're going to talk about the book, but we're also obviously going to talk around the wider topic of um, you are your own guru, which I love. And, you know, I'm all about motivation and empowerment. And I think this is an issue in New Zealand. Wow. One in five Kiwis. Okay. Um, before we dive too much into the book and some of the tips that you have for people who want to tackle their own drinking, can you give us, I read a little bit of bio about you, but can you give us a little bit more backstory in terms of how did you come from your background? How did you come to this as being the thing that you wrote about? Yeah. Okay. So um, basically I found myself with my own drinking problem. Um, and actually I'll just quickly clarify that the, the one in five hazardous drinkers, it, it's not saying one in five Kiwis are alcoholics. Okay. So I just want to make it clear, but there's... Yeah. Hazardous drinking is is that they're binging and they're drinking more than they need to drink. Um, but yeah, so so my story sort of just started off like that binging um, at university and then um, uh, traveling and working hard and playing hard and finding that binging was was drinking every day after work, which is kind of expected in the media um, and journalism. And then uh, moving to Asia and then just continuing to to drink and that expat kind of lifestyle like you have your sundowner and you drink and you tend to use drinking to mask being away from friends and family and close um family connections and that sense of belonging so it just got to a point one day where I realized oh 
I'm not able to not have that five o'clock drink. So I could maybe have it um, stop maybe one day, but I was finding that if I tried to stop and stay stopped, I couldn't stay stopped. So I even stopped, I think, for a for a month. Um, but then I was always always starting again. So yeah, what that sort of set up was when I later had some um or just don't know if it's trauma or just life, but my my brother died um from alcoholism and my dad and then my my husband um left me and that was all in a short space of time. And then that's when I sort of discovered, oh, there's really a problem here because I turned to the bottom to cope with that. Um and so the book is about the the tools that I wish that I'd had when I was getting sober. Um, and so the size of it, a pocket-sized book that fits discreetly in a handbag and no one can see when you open up your bag at work to get your phone out and stuff was what I wished I'd had when I was getting sober. So that's where the book um, came into into being. And, and something when I was kind of trying to go through cravings and urges that would make me laugh out loud where I could pick it up and it wasn't a big serious sermon. It was like, that's really that's really funny and I would want to read it and then I'd want to pick it up and re-engage with it ongoing through that time it took to get sober. So that's that's what it was born out of. Well, that I think that you, you have experienced quite a bit of trauma, as you mentioned, with your brother and your father, I think it was. Yeah. And did you feel like you could see yourself heading down that path and you made a, a detour? I think, I think what happened... Natalie was when I was at my brother's funeral and I saw my my nephew running after my my brother's coffin and he was 37 when he passed and I looked at my mom and I just went shit you know she doesn't want to lose another another child and I think that was the first time I sort of went shit I really really do have to take a look at this and um yeah, okay, I'm going to have to address it. I don't know how, but I can. I, I did. I could see myself, if I didn't get a handle on it, either being very unhappy or potentially going the same way Stu did. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I imagine there are quite a few listeners out there who can relate to that story, either, you know, somebody else in the coffin or themselves having that moment. It's not an aha moment. It's kind of a like, okay, something's got to give. Like it's a reality check. It's a reality yeah. check moment in their lives when they go, okay, something's got to be done. And I've got a friend who her story is more of a domestic violence marriage story, but she says to me, and in that moment, you know, I was sitting there with the car keys in my hand and my phone and in the other, and I knew I had to go. Right. So, you know, in, in the speaking world, you're a speaker as well. We always talk about, take us to the, take us to the moment. What was the moment that when you realized, and for you, that was the moment, you know, at the funeral, staring at the coffin, watching the nephew chase the coffin and go yep. in that moment, I knew I had to change. So I guess my point here is um, to our listeners listening, you know, what if some of you might have a moment like that when you knew you had to turn things around in your life, whether it was sobriety or something else that you needed to take a stand for. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. And I guess thank you also for having the courage to not only change your life, but to help change others. I know personally, I've written, uh, one I've written about two or three books or co-authored. Um, it's, it's quite an undertaking to write a book and to make something that people can, it's an easy read and animated, but also some practical tips, which I would love to dive into today. 
Um, so you talk now about being your own guru. Like, why did you choose that as our topic today? What does that mean to you? Okay, so I think for me, uh, it's about you. You're not going to address your drinking um, because a family member drags you to a alcohol and drug counselor. You're not going to address your drinking because a boss says you're going to be fired if you don't. You're going to address your drinking because you feel that if you don't, um, you're not going to reach your potential or be be the very best mother or the very best person that you can be for yourself. So it's you, it's you that ultimately makes that choice. People can lead you to water, but they can't make you drink and and that's the whole ethos behind it is all I'm doing in my book is presenting my story and I'm presenting a range of tools for you to pick up and try out because what worked for me might not work for you so you decide how your sobriety is going to look you decide how your recovery is going to look but here are the tools that I've found and here's the research that I've used to see um a way forward. And so I really don't believe you follow a prescriptive format for um, transformation in your life. You do it. It, it, It's yours. Um, But if you keep taking one step forward, all of a sudden things things have changed and you have transformed. And I think I, I like to use the analogy of a of a butter, butterfly, like it doesn't know it's, it's breaking out of a shell and turning into a butterfly. It's just incubating and it's just doing what a butterfly does. And I think that's the same, the caterpillar. It's just eating through the eating through the leaves. It's just taking one step at a time. And then all of a sudden you actually will be on the other side and where you want to go, but it's not, um, yeah, you, you, you've just got to, you've just got to take that first step and the path unfolds as you walk it. It doesn't, you can't see the end before you start the process. So that's the bravery that it takes. And, you know, if you have that bravery and can take that that first step, the path will unfold and, and you will become your own guru. You're going to pick and choose from whatever's offered what's going to work for you. And I think don't give that power to anyone else. You've you've got it, you know, and that's that's the key key message. Great, great message and so relatable. Whatever people are going through, for some people, it won't be this. Um, I imagine, tragically so, and definitely based on some of the stats, that everybody knows someone who not only, as you said, um, has you know hazardous drinking, but actually is or was an alcoholic. I imagine most people would know someone. Um, and so we can relate in some way, whether we're directly affected or not. I would love it if you could share with us a few of these tips. Um, how can someone who wants to tackle their drinking, like they're kind of ready to make some changes, like you said, we can't lead them to water, but if they're ready, what are some things they can do? Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a few things that they can do. Um, there is, if they, if they immediately want to stop, there's a free guided meditation, um, on my website that is called, you are not your urge that can help you get through those initial stages so whether you've planned to go to an AA meeting or whether you've decided to buy my book to help you whatever it is if if you if you're absolutely intent then there's that meditation that can guide you through those first first few steps until you get into the next stage or gone and booked an an, an alcohol and drug counselor so that's the takeaway free thing that you can just begin 
your journey with. Um, and then there are, there's loads of literature. The Quitlet, Quitlet's exploded. So just to um, reference the forward that was written and my book was written by Lotta Dan, who has got three great Quitlet books of her own. Um, Mrs. D's Going Without, Mrs. D's Going Within and The One O'Clock Myth. So she wrote the forward for my book. And she's just been given a Queen's Honours for her, her service to um, alcoholism and alcoholic, um, towards helping alcoholics. So, yeah, so there's there's loads of literature. Um, and then there is peer support, and that doesn't need to be AA if the God word freaks, you know, the living S out of you. Um, there's also the Buddhist Recovery Network, but... The beauty of peer support is that you realize you're not doing this on your own. So um, that I think is really important because if, you, if you've if you tried to tackle it on your own and you haven't had any success to date or just with a counselor, then maybe that's the component that you might be missing. Yeah, exactly. Because some people will have support. Some people will have friends that have been trying to get them to AA for years. Other people just won't have anyone. Like it literally will just come down to them making yeah, the decision. And I think also you there's a lot of Kiwis we're pretty much like don't tell me don't tell me how to do something you're not doing yourself. So it's kind of like I don't want to hear from someone that doesn't have an alcohol or meth or whatever problem how to handle my problem. But if you go to a peer support group um where other people have got the same issue and you see examples of that issue being resolved um and multiple years of having it resolved then you're actually looking at a a success story. And I think that's the absolute value of peer support is they've been where you're going and they can show you the way that they got there. But again, you're your own guru. You pick your own tools. You do it yourself. And you dedicated the book to your brother. How was that for you? Uh, that's a that's a hard question. I think it... it <laughs> Yeah, I just I just hope that um it's it's not in vain, that his life wasn't in vain. And so that um we have a tool here for people um with their own teenagers or their own family. Um yeah, where they can I just don't want people going that way uh if they don't have to. So, you know, but again, that's 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 your own journey. And um my brother he went to rehab a few times, um, but he was never really willing um, to admit the extent of the problem. He always thought he would win. Um, and in the end, you know, it, he didn't. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah, just, just that's what the book's about is, is dismantling the wall of denial that you, that you don't even think you've got. So it's a tricky problem. So let's just leave it there with that question. <laughs> It is a, it is a tricky problem and I think I mean I'm I'm very not experienced in this area but I my belief or my understanding is that it's one of the many numbing tactics that people will use in life to not deal with whatever is going on so for example some people will over exercise or they will undereat or they will overeat or they will you know whatever whatever it is right Ooh. so alcohol drugs it, i think it is one of the, one of the numbing tactics now obviously some people get into it because it's fun and like you said it was part of the work culture yeah so part of the culture in new zealand and of course i grew up in canada i spent my university high school university years in canada so, you know, we would, you know, go to parties and, and have keg parties as we do in Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, 
but I, so I don't, I can't speak for the, the Canadian um, alcohol problem because I really have no idea, but I know that it is a big issue here in New Zealand, but part of it is the culture, meaning, mm. you know, you're kind of expected to, you know, take a whole case to a party or whatever, but also in the, so that's like, might be teenagers and youth like students, but also in the work culture, like you mm. said, it was just kind of what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you raise a really good point um, there with Canada as well. And and what um, I've uh, noticed with my research is that um, Commonwealth countries, so it, it's 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 anywhere with that Commonwealth um, culture, the pioneering, like go hard or go home. So what's kind of happened is that culture is permeated right throughout because we're feeling new countries. But, you know, that was how the survivors settled. Like They lived very hard lives and so the drinking and the um out outsmarting and out numbing and outrunning their vulnerability was just a part of like how the hell do I deal with everyday life right but we don't need those same um responses anymore like we can choose to self-soothe um you know we're not going to be sent back to the colonies if we if we don't go home from a party when we've had too much to drink it's it's you know it's not that <laughs> yeah so I mean I understand where it came from but you know it's not it's not today we don't need to live that way if we're having issues or there's emotional um parts of of our lives or backgrounds that we don't want to address we've there's help to to unpack it um so yeah, and then that's just the the most um, powerful thing you can do is unpack it so that it doesn't run your life. Because if you're constantly running from your vulnerability and your feelings, you're still at hostage. You're still hostage to them. You know, you've got to confront them, and as you confront them and release them, um, you'll you'll find freedom. That is so true, and I love how you said out numbing and outrunning their vulnerabilities. And if people just say, oh, I really shouldn't drink so much or drinking so much is really bad. Well, not only is it expensive, but, you know, it very, it deteriorates your health. We did a show last week all about holistic health. If you guys missed that, you can check it out on the replays. Um, but I mean, a lot of people will, they'll know that it's not good for them, but they'll, it's still a crutch. You know, it's a numbing tactic or a, or a strategy for survival. But like you said, if they can confront and then release what's at the core of it, um, but yeah, they might, they'll need someone to help them through that. They'll need the professional or the AA to really guide them through that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, again, it's it's the path unfolds as they walk, walk it. If they're ready to to walk into a Buddhist recovery meeting or a AA meeting or um, into their local medical center and, and reach out, then someone will reach in. Um, and I think that's the key uh, is, to, is to not stop at one. So if you go in and you don't think that that alcohol and drug counsellor had any idea what you were talking about and it wasn't a good fit, that's okay. Shelve them. But it doesn't mean that you don't try another avenue or another counsellor. So um, that's that's the key message, I think, um, that's also in the book is you've got all these tools. You're going to, you know, you, you ask for recommendations on a good restaurant and you listen to them. It's the same for alcohol and other drug counselling. You, you ask for a recommendation, if someone says, oh, this counsel is really good, well, you you don't take that at face value. Ask them why. How have they helped you? Why why have they been good? And you you do your research like you would for an architect. You were going to build a $200 you know, million dollar house with or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, it's just commitment and resolve. Um, but it's to yourself. 
you're your own guru. It's your own journey. No one else has to agree to what you're choosing to do or which, if AA works for you but the rest of your family don't believe the God word, who cares? It works for you. It's your journey. It's your choice. I love that. Just reminding people, you know, I always say you are the uh, the CEO of your own life. Last week, Shelly Gowith, our guest, said you are the CEO of your own health. And they are. They are the guru. We are our own guru, but we do sometimes need people to guide us or help us uh, on the path. Um, so what about people that maybe they're not, they wouldn't consider themselves alcoholic, but how can we, I guess, support people that are getting into maybe hazardous drinking? How can we keep them from going down the path of becoming alcoholic? Are there some some strategies or tips as friends or as parents that we can take on board? Um, I think, again, all you can do is present tools. So you can say, you know your kid, you know whether they're an audio learner, a kinesthetic learner, visual. So you 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 buy them an audio book, you buy them the e-book, you buy them the paperback book. All you can do is proffer and offer a message. They're going to pick up the tools that are relevant for them. But I think having conversations in the home, having alcohol-free days, um, and you know, your point about the the outsmarting and outrunning, I think kids need to know that it's not when we turn, when there's an issue, we we have the conversations, the hard conversations, and that's what I don't think Commonwealth countries are very good at doing, you know. Mm-hmm. French culture, they'll have the hard conversations, and um, that's what you need to do, have those hard conversations versus turn to a drink if someone's dying or this is happening or whatever. So I think it's about... It's not the alcohol itself that's the problem. It's not the can of beer or the little glass of whiskey. The problem is the way we use it to escape our feelings and not contend with what's actually happening for us. And I think that's that's the key there is, is are we modelling um, talking through those hard conversations? And they're the ones that we need to have, the light fluffy conversations you know well yeah great but that's not the that's not the stuff that really matters so yeah I think it's just upfront honesty in our in our relationships is is a good is a good start oh I love everything you're saying right now because I absolutely concur totally agree um we actually did a show if you guys missed it all about communication and we did um we had a beautiful guest about um about nonviolent communication and compassionate communication. Mm. I think you're right though. In a family, if we can create a culture where it's okay to say, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm so angry at the moment, or this is really bothering me rather than just going, Oh, I need a drink. And partly of course the parents know, you know, role modeling, quote unquote, role modeling is important. Um, at my house, my husband's a vegan and he doesn't drink. So I will occasionally buy myself like the smallest, you know, how you buy a (laughs) bottle of wine and then like, okay, for me, whatever. So I buy this tiny bottle of like champagne um, because I'm the only one in the house. Um, so is, which is an interesting thing, but we also, we've got teenagers. So we want to talk to them about yep. alcohol. And I, I say to them, like, here's the, here's what you got to do. You, you got to make sure that you, if you have, they, they're not really in the party stage yet, but when, when you go to parties, you know, have, if you have a drink, then alternate, have a, fill it up with water, like fill up your can of beer or your bottle of whatever, with water. And then you can still stand there. You can still be drinking from the bottle, but it, the second one is water. So alternate with water, make sure you eat, you know, the basic stuff. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But also I think, you know, at least from my experience, if I'm like, if you're, if you're 
emotions are high. Like if you're super excited about a party or something happened in your life and you're really strung out about it, it seems to magnify the impact of the alcohol. So again, saying to the kids or at least letting them know, hey, if your emotions or your adrenals are already fired up, that's going to kind of magnify. So if you feel like you normally can have three, well, it's going to feel like five or six just because you're super pumped or amped. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just the, no, no, that's that's the right. advice I gave that's them. Right. And, and I totally concur with that because for me, it's um, I'm most at, at risk of relapse when I'm really excited. Mm. It's, it's, it's when... Um, because I'm pretty astute now with 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 realizing, oh, I'm 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 a bit grumpy, or this is going on, or I'm in, at risk of relapse, and I'm I've got that pretty nailed. But when I get into a elevated situation with a celebration, or somebody hands a glass of champagne, and I'm elevated, that's really right because I'm already amplified, and it's easy for me to just grab that glass and then it just go, you know, yeah, I've got to be really really aware of of those times. So yeah. And, and, and I think um, there are like a proportion of us, me definitely included in this, who don't have off buttons, you know, we're the black and white thinkers, we're the, um, we're the, we're the extreme kind of extreme approach to life. So there's some of us that just can't, just can't drink at all because we can't regulate that, um, that side of side of us so it, it's also about knowing yourself um it's also about knowing yourself so yeah I, I'm certainly not advocating that that everybody that gin, uh, binges needs to stop drinking it's just where it's impacting your closest relationships it's impacting your work and it's really um impacting your life in a way that that you're not liking that's that's when you start to to, to have a look at it you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, in one of my other interviews, actually, uh, today, we talk about human design, which is something that I, I coach people in and I love talking about. And we talk about how people that are projectors, this is one of the five human design types, they're the sensitives in society. They're more susceptible to allergies, you know, noise, concerts, working yep. in a mall, but they also are more susceptible to, um, you know, additives in food, things like yep. that, but also alcohol. So we kind of say to them, hey, girls, you know, if you're a projector and you're going out for drinks with, with the friends, everyone else is having three, honey, you're having one. Like yep. we kind of say it not as a joke, but it's kind of true. Like some people yep. actually are. Um, partly, I imagine, given your family history, whatever, more susceptible. But also, for me, I'd say human design type, more susceptible to um, negative impacts, side effects of anything, mm. you know, vaccines, medication, but also mm. alcohol. So that is also something to be aware of. But like you said, if you're pumped, if you're amped, if you're ready to celebrate, but as long as you know, that's when it's a volatile, volatile time for me. I know that when I'm sad, I don't go, you know, I don't go near it, but you're like, when I'm happy, that's a volatile time. So thank you for pointing that out. A lot of people might not have made that connection. Yeah. And I've got one quick example of that. So when New Zealand won the America's Cup and I was invited out on a launch to watch that at the, cause I sail um, a lot as well. And that I had to really steal myself before even getting on, on the boat that day, because the chances of us winning were pretty high, but I had to get my head into the state of, that whole day plus all the partying afterwards, I had to have a plan, which was just tonic water with, you know, like ice or whatever, but there had to be a plan. And that's what my book talks about too, is making all these plans before you need them. And um, but in a fun way. So you you set yourself up to up to succeed 
um, if you're going to give it a shot. And I think that will encourage you to have the, the 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 braveness to take the next little step forward. You know, so that's it's just it's just a tool um, to make make you feel like you've got the best chance of succeeding if you, if you want to do it, if you want to try it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a plan, have a success strategy. And I guess some people would be like, they're like, their strategy would be like, I just don't go to parties. You know, like it's, that's all, they just can't go. Whereas someone like you, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get on the boat, but I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to have a plan for when I'm on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some parties I can't go to, you know, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't go to a, a, a party with Jimi Hendrix. I would end up, you know, yeah, drinking and playing music and being crazy. So there's situations where I just can't, even step into that space so you've but you're learning that you learn that as you as you walk your walk your journey so you've just got to know yourself and try to keep yourself safe and yeah but it's not always easy and in terms of teaching our kids that and our nephews and nieces yeah it's just presenting tools all the time and having those conversations that if you're not feeling well then substances aren't gonna aren't gonna fix that let's go for a run let's go for a sale it's modeling self-soothing that's not substance-based, I think. Absolutely. Modeling, I'm just going to reiterate that. It's so good. Modeling self, self-soothing that's not substance-based. Yeah. Thank you so much. Reminder to our audience, if you do want to write in, let us know if this is resonating for you. This is a topic we haven't covered before, but of course it is related to, you know, empowering and supporting each other, which is what we're here to do. And while some people do have alcohol as the thing that drags them down, everyone has something that drags them down. So there's no finger pointing. There's no like your life is better or worse than mine. I just consider everybody equal, but not the same. And we all go through life learning experiences. And sometimes we have to learn a lesson multiple times before we actually learn it. (laughs) Exactly. And some of us don't get the memo and we don't learn. Um, And, you know, we, we lose people along the way. Um, So, you know, that's the saddest, that's the saddest part of it. Um, It's a subtle foe. Addiction's a subtle foe. So, you know, just if you're just feeling like, oh, I need to, I probably need to do something, then then my book could be a place to start. And that's all it is. It's just a starting point for you to take that journey for yourself. Or possibly a gift for others. Would it be something that would be appropriate if someone's like, oh my goodness, you know, my brother's really struggling or my uncle or whatever, um, they could give it as a gift? Do you think it would be well received? Oh, that's a, that's so funny you say that because Paper Plus Waiheke, I went when I went in with my book and said, and what about selling this? I'm I'm just so scared that people with a drinking problem aren't going to come up to the counter because mm-hmm. it's going to say I've got a drinking problem. And she said, Mario, there's only one way to find out. Bring in 10 books and we'll see. And so I took the 10 books in and I went back a week later and I said, well, so what's happened? Have any of the books sold? And she said, yes, all of the books have sold except for one. And I said, with people coming out with the book, she said, there were a lot of people buying for a friend, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think I think so. I think you can buy it for a friend um, so long as you don't shove it down their throat. You know what I mean? Like I do, and I think that's important. It's It's got to come from the right place, take it or leave it. But yeah. I think sometimes people want to help their friend and they don't know what to do and they don't just want to lecture them or – they just, they feel at a loss. So having a book like that, that they can say, Hey mate, got this for you. Or Hey sugar, you know, Hey honey, like if it's a woman got this for you, you know, I heard you, 
I heard this lady on RCR. She was pretty awesome. I just have a read if you, if you're up for it, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, I've got them in my house and my partner's nephew, he literally takes a wide arc around them to avoid them because of his own drinking issues. Right. So, <laughs> so he, he walks around the table, like t- keeping the widest arc he possibly can away from the books because there's people that aren't ready to look at that stuff. And that's fine too. It's just, mm-hmm. here's a tool. If it gets shoved back in your face, we'll just take it back. But Maybe you've planted a seed and maybe one day, five years later, they're going to come back and go, hey, that green book, where is it? You know, so, yeah. Love it. Okay, amazing. So tell us now then, while we're talking about it, how can people get it? Is it ebook? Is it hard copy only? Uh, it is audiobook. Uh, it is an ebook and it's a paperback and you can get it at mariemclean.com. So you just go to, yeah, dot com. Yeah, and then um yeah, it just gets dispatched. So it'll just be sent out um to you. So yeah. Amazing. And congratulations for getting it into the bookstore. That's awesome. And the fact that it's so easy for people to get. Um, I don't know if you want to say the price or how or whatever, if it is yeah. it's different price in different locations. It is. So it's um $29.99 for the paperback. It's $15 for the audiobook, and um it's less than a price of like a cup of coffee for the ebook because I didn't want a barrier to the people that needed it without any money getting it. So that's $4.99. So it's, yeah, you can buy all of those on my website, but it's also at Barnes & Noble in the US. Um, it's also online, yeah, um, all over the world. So, yeah, um, and I've written to Russell Brandt as well uh, with I've got an idea for a, for a podcast. Um, so, yeah, there's going to, yeah, there's going to be more news with this book coming up, which will be funny. <laughs> oh, I'm, congratulations. That's so awesome. And by the way, definitely less than a cup of coffee. I went to Columbus Coffee the other day um, when my daughter was swimming at the pool and I just went for a little walk with the dog. Eight dollars. I'm not what? even joking you. It was large, but come on. Okay. So yeah, great price. Okay. let's. We're going to dive into the questions now, which I ask all of my lovely guests. Um, so Mari, what is one thing you've done in the past year? Where you truly upped your brave? I think putting myself out there with a book like this in the in the social media world where Jacinda was trolled mercilessly, like that, I think is quite big for me because it's it's about the message. But um, yeah, it comes with an author, doesn't it? So I, I really don't want to be in the in that in that space where I can get trolled. So that. That was brave for me to to do that for the message. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I figure the message is more important than me getting trolled. <laughs> yeah, the message is important and it's out there now and it's just going to amplify the impact. It's going to help so many lives. What is one thing on your bucket list that we can possibly help you with the RCR community? Something you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Um. Oh, that that's that's. That's an interesting question. For me, it's just related to this book. If you know anyone that's suffering, just make sure they, they're aware that it's there. Um, and again, you know, no no shoving it down their throat, but just, just that there's a funny book that, you know, people pick up and read from end to end straight away because it's really, really compelling. Um, and it is, it's, it's short. It's not a big, heavy book. And if they wanted to start somewhere, it's an audio book or whatever format. That that's just great because it's about the message getting out to as many people as as need it. 
That's so awesome. Um, And by the way, for our listeners, I also love to hear from you. If there's something that you have on your own bucket list that you want to share with us, not only share, but you possibly want some help with, we don't do fundraising, but we do do connections, collaborations, community, and of course, courage here on the Up Your Brave show. So you can text into 2057 or if you're more of an email person, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Samari, you already gave us your website, but where else can we find you or follow you? And what else is coming up for you just in your life? You know, in the next six months, I know that you're on Waihiki, you work in a medical center, you know, you're living with Jimbo and your two small cats, um, Grace and Hope. What's coming up for you guys in the next six months? Uh, I think um, I'm going to, be heading to France uh, soon and I'm going to make sure that the book can get out um, to a wider audience than New Zealand. So uh, that's sort of where I'm going. So really, honestly, if you if you get the book and you're traveling, travel with the book, you know, so that it, it's more um, visible so that people can see it. It's already via, the, via Amazon and um, it's soon through its technical check for audio uh, audible so it's going to be worldwide uh so yeah it's just it's just if you read it review it feedback uh, help me with with getting the message out there uh and just remember when you're finding people that are struggling that it's there uh to help that that would be great yeah that would be really really appreciated amazing cuz yeah maybe one of your bucket list things is to you know empower over a million people who have hazardous drinking or or alcoholism um to turn things around and to be their own guru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is that. And it is that the next book is um not the the, the no bullshit guide to getting sober, but the no bullshit guide to staying sober. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the next book. Because one thing's getting sober, but actually staying sober and not relapsing is a whole nother another ball game. So yeah. So it's, yeah, it's about that. And um it will take path that it takes like if russell brand features it and other other um, media and celebrities feature it, it will it will go out and and reach as many people as it's meant to reach but yeah instagram mari mclean um i'm on instagram the same as my website twitter uh yeah so you can get me there as well sounds good all right hey before we wrap things up um is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to Jody Hammond who connected me with you, Natalie, because I yes. didn't know, and I'm really grateful that she connected us together. Um, I think what you're doing is great, and I think that it's just it, we've all got to keep putting ourselves just that little bit outside our comfort zone because that's where the magic happens, and that's what your show's about. So I'm just grateful to be allowed to be here today. Thank you. Amazing. Mari, so good to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your journey with us. And I'm sure it's going to help hundreds, if not thousands of Kiwis, as well as people around the world. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Glad you enjoyed that. And remember to be your own guru. Hmm. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio.